This is Gateway City Sports. fans and welcome to another episode of the turn into podcast this is episode number 18 got tito alongside with me tito how is your day night whatever it is where you are going um it's going pretty good i mean let's uh let's celebrate a nice little homestand five and two with a chance to uh pick up some more games in pittsburgh over uh over the weekend to to really stretch out something absolutely and hell of a way to uh in the final game of the season series with the Philadelphia Phillies today with the walk-off pitch, wild pitch. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. I just want to make sure it was wild. Okay. Okay. We got wild today. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Um, Well, I mean, did you get to catch any of it or were you listening? I was listening to uh, our good friends, Polo Asensio and Benji Molina uh, today while I was at work. And uh, it was actually a very entertaining game. Um, obviously there wasn't a lot of offense today, um, but you know, the, the, the whole point of it is, is that uh, the Cardinals ended up winning a very, very good game. Um, and you kind of exercise some demons in beating Aaron Nola, who uh, threw a complete game uh, shutout against you last time he pitched. So uh I will give a uh, quick and stiff cap tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> man, uh, up until up until that Carpenter launch, um, you know, Aaron Nola was on pace to do it again, and I was you very really nervous. Um, he looks really good, and I'm I wouldn't mind having him over here in in our red. Um, but yeah, yeah. He, he was going well, and man, I that ball was hit out deep, and man, I, I I was like, I was like, did that nick off of his glove or what happened? And then I saw it fall in, and then I mean, the rest is history. Yeah, and and look, however it goes over the fence doesn't matter. It went over the fence; it still counts as a home run. Um, and if you're the Cardinals, you take that. You know, the only downside being that you um, you kind of gave that back pretty quickly but you know again you came out with a win against a really really good team a really good pitcher and um you got a five and two home stand when it could could have easily been four and three so yeah they 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 did some tiptoeing today and you know i and i'm sure you felt the same way but as soon as they gave those run back, those runs back, man, I was nervous. I was thinking to myself, this is just going to end. This is going to end bad. Yeah, I think. And I think 
part of that is due to the recent um, bullpen struggles um, because you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, what are we going to get out of Reyes? What are we going to get out of uh, Gallegos, you know, Hicks and all these other cats that are coming out of the bullpen. And then of course, you know, we see a guy who we haven't seen in I don't even know how long it's been, uh, but in Andrew Miller. And of course he gives up, you know, a couple base hits and ends up, you know, uh, getting some runs charged to him. And, you know, that's just part of how, that's where the bullpen is right now with the Cardinals is that there's a very big question mark surrounding them. And of course I felt the same way. I, th- I honestly thought once they tied three to three, I didn't think we were going to win. Yeah. And I think it's just expectation at this point in time. Um, you know, and one of the cool things is, I mean, we'll we'll jump into that game in yeah. a minute. I mean, yeah. let's just let's just hit it from the top. Um, game one. How did you feel about it? I, I mean, if you like a good pitchers duel, you've got to you've got to say that was probably some of the best baseball you'll you'll see in a in a really long time in terms of pitching. Um, Zach Wheeler. There's nothing else that you can say, but he was just overpowering mm-hmm. he was so good i mean so so good and the fact that he even got you know one earned run off of him um it should be a feat in itself but look when you're the when you're the cardinals sometimes you just have to say you know what you were just that much better than us today and you just walk away um and that's kind of how i felt about that one yeah and i you know i, I... Here's where I'm at because I was kind of leaning a couple different ways um, with that game. With one, you know, Wayno pitched a hell of a game. Yeah, for that age, for his age, I mean, he. It feels like we're getting back into vintage Wayno. You know, that guy that you could absolutely count on every time he goes out. And you know, I get the get the concept of he's pitching well. You know, send him back out there. You know. Um, I mean, for my for my way of thinking, you know, he was getting touched up, and I think it was the seventh inning, you know, a lot of hard-hit balls. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I guess whatever, she'll just – I know our bullpen's taxed right now, so send him back out there if you need to. But the hard-hit balls are starting to worry me, you know. I mean, it ended up two to one, you know, and like Brendan Shaver said, you know, the odds that the Cardinals are going to score were probably slim. And, yeah. you know, but – man it just it sucks because Zach Wheeler is a is a very good pitcher as well and you know I felt like we could have won that game too but I mean he was touching us up yeah and and look Zach Wheeler had a, a a good game yeah I mean he went eight innings only gave up one hit and struck out nine that's look if if you tell me that that's what your starter's giving you you should win that game now, conversely, if I came up to you and said, hey, Adam Wainwright pitched nine innings last night, only gave up two earned runs and struck out eight without walking a single batter, mm-hmm. you'd also take that. And you would also think, hey, we should win that game. But it came down to what you and I had previously discussed in the last episode, and that was just the offense um, just couldn't muster anything against Zach Wheeler. And that's, you know what? And I'm not even going to put this one on the offense. I'm giving every single bit of credit to Zach Wheeler because he was just that good. When you can throw 98 on the black, 
and locate, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and I mean that's one thing that we we can't look at and say the Cardinals' offense is terrible. I mean right. Zach Wheeler's a good pitcher, and you know there was there was people in 2019, I believe, who were all over Zach Wheeler. Oh, let's pull him from the Mets. Let's pull him from the Mets. You know, so so you got you got to just tip your cap to Zach and say you know move on with it because it was a pitcher's duel. And you know, like I said, hats off to Wayno. I'm yeah, gonna... and even then the Cardinals still had a chance to win it. Mm-hmm. And you and I and you and I both were in agreement on this is that. When you got when you have a guy on second base with one out and you've got your three four coming up, possibly your five, you're thinking that's a pretty good chance to win. Absolutely. I mean, considering who who was coming up in Goldschmidt and Arenado, this almost played out perfectly with how this lineup adjustment has worked. Right, Tommy Edmond gets on base, um, and then. Uh, Carlson grounds out to second base and Carpenter's well, let me start back over because Carpenter's walk was actually very good at bat and him getting on base was pretty much the catalyst for how they scored their only run. So Tommy Edmond gets a base hit Carpenter with some good base running goes to third base. So you've got first and third Carlson. All he has to do is put the ball in play. You would have preferred it to be in the outfield but he got the job done. It was almost as good as a safety squeeze in this play where, and Tommy Edmund gets to second base. And then, like I said, you've got gold Goldschmidt and Arenado coming up. Um, you would think that you would be able to score with one out on second base with those two coming out, but they just couldn't get it done. And, and for the life of me, Arenado almost put it out of the park on his swing. And <laughs> I mean, it was, probably what 10 15 feet shy of the wall I think but off the bat it looked so good and you thought for a second holy crap he might have just done it but you know that it just happens yeah and you know i guess one of the things is and this is just spread across the entire series is the fact that the cardinals aren't having to put up you know we haven't seen a, a 10 a 10 run performance again since the cardinals in a while since um april 19th against the the nationals you right. know, that was 10 days ago and you know they're, they're getting enough to win games look when you get good starting pitching as the cardinals have received over the last what 10 ish days at this point is you and i said last episode it comes down to whether the offense can be consistent and and in between game one and two i think um you could have probably expected the Cardinals to come out with a little fire in their belly. I mean, think about it this way. Tommy Emmon went two for four. Dylan Carlson went two for four. Paul Goldschmidt had a hit in four at-bats. Nolan Arenado, two for four. So right there, you you had your top four hitters almost all have two hits in this game and account for all five RBIs, all five of them. See, and that's so, how you want the offense to work right there. And and that's essentially, I mean, that though, if you're going to look at the Cardinals lineup, that's where your damage has to be done within those first four. But you would like to see the damage come from the bottom half of the order because from pretty much from Paul DeYoung on down, 0 for 4, 1 for 4, 1 for 3, 0 for, or 0 for 1 as a pinch hitter. And then Kisner, who's been a very good, revelation so far while Yadier Molina has been on the IL went two for four and arguably I would consider moving him up in the lineup because he seems to be the only one outside of uh, Tyler O'Neill right now that can actually hit 
Yeah. So um, there, you know, there's a lot weighing on this top half of the offense. And when you get that offense uh, like they did in game two, you're going to, you're going to perform and you're going to do well. And then you couple that with the fact that Carlos Martinez probably had his best outing of the year um, coming off of what he did against the nationals and facing Max Scherzer going 7.1 innings with only one earned run. I mean, there's, if, if, if he is making the turn, as he says, if the tsunami is coming, then the Cardinals are in really, really good shape the rest of the way. But he's got to stay consistent. Yeah, and, and I'll say one thing about his – two games and say, ah, screw it, I'm done. Yeah, I'll say one thing about his outing that I noticed. Um, now, granted, there was some defensive miscues mm-hmm. yeah, in the outfield. Yeah. And one of the things that, that Carlos in recent memory has not been able to do is, is just control himself after multiple runners get on or run scores. And, right. you know, I felt really good about it after one run was scoring in the first. And, you know, it's kind of he blocked everything out and continued on and, and was pitching extremely well. And, you know, I just I, I just felt like, maybe the tsunami is coming back, you know, and and it's just one game. Now, granted, he pitched well the last game too, but the way that he pitched the other night was not the Carlos that we've seen recently. You know, there's always that one inning that he gets touched up on and it it just seems like it all falls apart. Yeah. I mean, look, he get throughout the entire game, three hits. That's all the Phillies mustered up against Cardinals pitching in this game, three hits. You're going to win a lot of games with that. You know, there's not, there's not really much that's going to be done. I mean, think about it this way. Their first run came off a sacrifice fly and it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a heck of a lot worse. And they didn't, and that was it first inning in the fourth inning. And on that fourth inning, that was just a, a small ground out to second base. So again, a lot of damage could have been done. Now, this is where timely hitting comes into play too, right? Um, It was three to two by the seventh inning still. And, you know, that's not a great lead considering, again, as we said in in game one, the bullpen struggles. Um, Goldschmidt comes up and hits a double uh, and scores Edmund and Carlson. That's clutch hitting. That's what you need from your three. Why he couldn't do that the day before, I don't know, but that's okay. You again, what game one you move on, and then they came out for game two ready to play, and they got the win. And you know, we talked about it in terms of what did we expect to see from the Cardinals. Game one was going to be very difficult. I said that they were going to win the middle two games because I think that those were the easiest games to win. They got that done for game for game two, and then obviously game three is a different story. Yeah, and, you know, there's not much to say about game three. You know, Cardinals bounced on them early. and then, uh, There's plenty to say about game you know, three. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just beating a dead horse. You know, I, I, you know, we jumped on them early, and it just seems like the bullpen couldn't hold it together. I'm not – No. You know, I don't want to point fingers at one guy, but, I mean, he, he – he, he threw one right, right in the face of Bryce Harper. And, you know, thank God Bryce is okay. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, 
you could just watch him and his body just locked like you know i've watched that multiple times and that his body just said i need to back out but i am hung up right now you know that 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 time where you don't know what to do and then um look you're, you're getting he's getting hit with a 97 mile an hour fastball you don't have a lot of time to react as it is. no so well you know, coming at your face it's and what's weird about it is i'm going to step to the side what's weird about it is arenado almost did the same thing today Mm-hmm. I watched his body movement and it was like shuffle. He turned his body outwards. I was like, but then he came back around. But I mean, yeah, it's just like the, the it's like the art of turning your back was, was gone with that. But I mean, thank God he's okay. I mean, I know that wasn't purposeful, but I mean that man, I was, and, and I guess nothing's broke. I mean, no, he's fine. He got a cut on his nose. That's about it. That's so a hard very- face. That's very lucky. That's a hard phase. But, well, yeah, in that, in that game, man, we just, you know, the offense jumped on them early and then just they, they one by one, was bringing it back in. And um, let me let me throw some two cents on here because I, I have an issue, again, with the way that the opposing manager is handling all this. I certainly don't blame him for being upset. And I'm, when I say him, I'm talking about Joe Girardi because this exact scenario played out when I was at the game on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. We hit a batter. Their manager gets upset because the both teams are worn and the opposing manager gets thrown out because essentially they're saying, well, if he gets to hit us, then we should be able to hit him. And I think that's Bush League. It's Bush League thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why the, why the managers get so upset to the point where they think the umpires are are quote unquote protecting the Cardinals. Like they have no choice, but to protect players here. If they don't, they're just as negligent as, uh, you know, you know, a pitcher going up there and beaming somebody on accident, you know, that it just is, it, it mind, it mind boggles me that Joe Girardi gets to upset to the point though, that he's yelling at, uh, at Cabrera, yeah for yeah. throwing at for throwing at somebody it's like dude the dude's already in a wrong space why are you making it worse and then mike Schill, you know tells joe look look i can't take him out i got i'm this three batter rule is crippling me yeah and, and i think we saw the flaws in the three batter rule right there yeah. and and i heard early in the pot the pod the, the broadcast today you know jimmy and uh dan were talking about it how you know, it, it hasn't really affected the, the game time any. And I don't honestly think that many of these rules to speed up the game have done much for it. Um, but it's 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 kind of it's kind of stupid. I, I know they don't like them coming out, checking on them, going back in, coming back out a pit a, a hitter later and then taking them out. I, I mean, I understand that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, <sighs> how much time was taken between the two guys that got hit by pitches between, right. you know, getting checked on and, 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 and all that stuff. Um, I, I just think there's flaws in it, just like everything else that Rob Manford throws out there. But I, mean, I thought, I thought there was one thing that was brought up and I can't remember if it was in the TV broadcast, but it was probably one of the smartest things I'd heard all night. And that was in either the Japanese league or the KBO if, if a pitcher hits somebody in the neck, head area, they're automatically ejected from the game. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, 
hell, that's a great idea. I don't know why MLB should, why MLB doesn't do that. I think yeah. that'd be a really good idea to put, not only to protect anybody else that may come after that pitch or that, that net, that batter that gets hit, but it also removes any danger in terms of the pitcher, you know, for himself out of the game. So I, I think that's something that MLB should take a look at um, and implement immediately because there's no reason for this. You know, there's no reason for Mike Schilt to keep him in the game after he hit somebody in the head, because well, guess what? Exactly what you thought was going to happen happened. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe this instant that instance, they will go ahead and take a look at something like that for, um, next year. I mean, I don't know why you just can't throw it in this year. It's not a yeah. I, I, like I said, I, it should be an immediate thing. I, I, there's no reason for you not for MLB not to protect their players in that instance. Um, and look, I think the worst part about it was that idiotic comment made by John Heyman today, an absolutely atrocious comment by him, where he is saying the Cardinals should send down Genesis Cabrera because he hit somebody. That is absolutely ridiculous. I, I cannot believe that that was actually a tweet today, but you know, this is 2021 where we just want attention. So let me uh, pull up to the drive-thru and give you that, give you that order, John. Absolutely. And I mean, just still, just still the leader of hot takes. Well, and I've noticed too, I've, I spent enough time roasting all of his, his, uh, his tweets that um, he's actually started capitalizing words. So I mean, mm. huge shout out to John Heyman for finally capitalizing words and names. Um, you and know, he's, he's and he's not the only one. There was that. What's that guy? C. Trent Rosenhaus or whatever for the Reds. Yeah, he he was on Cabrera too, and, and and the Cardinals for hitting another player and and the manager being tossed out. And it's just like, are the Cardinals that much in your head, brother? Like well, yeah. get over it. Like, I mean, I'm sorry that the Reds are are not that great or have not been that great for as long as that guy's probably been alive, but get over it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, anyways. Yeah, I mean, and last night, you know, I, I, just a loss. But, you know, yeah. today, today was hopefully a big boost for um, the team as a whole uh, facing a, a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. the the odds that they win that game were very slim the odds that that ball goes out for carpenter are very slim um right. the bullpen kind of fell apart there for a minute but you know a win is a win that's yeah, all you say. yeah yeah and um you know the the retaliation on the phillies actually came back to hurt them by putting uh, Tyler O'Neill on second base in the bottom of the tenth inning, so I mean that's that's fun, that's fair, that's I, I you know, I, I struggle with this retaliation too because again, why are you leaving it for a three-three situation in the ninth inning? I mean, you could have done it at any point in the game, but you're going to wait till the very end to get your quote-unquote point across. Oh, and by the way, while we're at it, since Hector Neris hit Arenado, shouldn't that mean that he should also be sent down to the minors? I'm, yeah. I'm only, I'm only speaking logically here, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he probably should be at least for 10, 10 days. 
We'll see what John Heyman has to say because I bet you he doesn't. Yeah, he probably won't say much. He probably won't say well, much at all. So that's unfortunate. Cardinals end up winning today, four to three on a walk off wild pitch. Tyler <laughs> O'Neill scores. Um, and a little news coming out after the game uh, that Wayno has been shelved for COVID 19 um, testing or, or protocol or, or something of that nature. And yeah, his family member tested positive. So according to the guidelines, he's got to, you know, be in the protocol and be in quarantine. Absolutely. And, and the other the other news that I'm sure many, many people are so excited about today is uh, one in one in particular. But yeah, one, I mean, the only real news then is that uh, Harrison <laughs> Bader has been activated. <laughs> Harrison Bader, oh. STL Sports Central. Are you here with us tonight? Yeah, I'm here. He is so excited. He is so excited. I'm to excited for him because I can't wait for his first tweet to say, oh, you, know you, you know what? You know what? I might, I might just, I might see what I might do, check while we're, while we're here just to put see. The noti- to see. Put the notifications on. Just to see if, if old son has said anything. I guarantee you he has. Oh man. But I mean, here's the thing, man. Let's let, I'm going to break it down. And I know I texted you about it the other night. I think, and uh, you know, they may hold on to him for a minute, but my goodness, I, I'm just, I haven't been impressed with Justin Williams. I, f- I feel like some of the defensive effort has been lackadaisical. Um, yes. Some have been very amazing plays, um, but man, the one was it game one or game two where it hit the glove or, you know, and there wasn't hardly any effort, multiple pitches being thrown on strike two where he doesn't even, remove the bat from his shoulder and today there was a there's a ball hit down into the gap sorry into the corner and he just kind of trotted over to it and i'm thinking to myself man we're only up by two runs we're not up seven or eight where you can just you know slowly jog to it i mean i don't i don't know what your views on it are but at this point in time man i'm not i'm not gonna sit there and and come out and say, oh, I'm so excited for Harrison Bader to come back. But at the same time, I mean, is Justin Williams even going to be on your bench once he does come back? Well, I, the the question that is already answered, the answer is yes, he's on your bench. Should he be on the bench is, is the true question. And let me start off by saying, before I get to that answer, let me start off by saying this. The Cardinals made it very clear that Harrison Bader was the starting center fielder for their, for them. So anything else can be put to bed by just saying that. But if you want to take it a step further, if, if Bader comes back and plays center field, which I assume he will play tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to move Tyler O'Neill because of the recent power surge. And you're certainly not going to uh, move Dylan Carlson out of, the outfield because of what he did, what he's done over the last few games in the two hole. And not to mention that beautiful, beautiful throw to gun somebody down um, at third base when the game was, you know, borderline on the line. Well, no, it was on the line because that was the 10th top of the 10th. Right. And so where is Justin going to play? Absolutely. He doesn't have a spot And, and no offense to him. Like, at this at this point, he is no he is no better than a platoon outfielder with Tyler O'Neill, and maybe 
maybe on the days that Harrison Bader needs a rest and where Ty Dylan Carlson goes to center and then you put Justin back in right. But right now, if this is an everyday lineup kind of thing, Harrison Bader's your starting center fielder, Tyler O'Neill's your starting left fielder, and Dylan Car Carlson's in right. That's it. Now, the question of whether he should be on the bench is, I think so. What have you, what, you know, my point being is, what have you seen from Austin Dean that makes you say, oh, he's that much better than Justin Williams? So you're right. I mean, you're right. There, there, there's, there's nothing there up until, I mean, uh, up until, you know, Carpenter got the, the home run today off the bench. Our bench was like, oh, for whatever. Our bench is absolutely yeah. embarrassing. You can't sit there and call anybody up and expect for them to do something. I mean, the, Austin Dean has trouble in the outfield. Austin Dean, yes, has pop. So does Justin Williams. I mean, it's just, you know. <laughs> but but I, even then, even then, this this will come into play, because and I guarantee you it happens. I would be willing to bet Mike Schilt trusts Tommy Edmond more in the outfield than either Austin Dean or Justin Williams in late-game situations. Oh, yeah. And I think he would rather turn to Matt Carpenter to play second base and, and move Edmund in the outfield to defensively, then, then uh, bring in one of those guys and pinch inning and then keep him in the game for a possible double switch. I just yeah. don't see it happening. Yeah, I would say, I, man, I don't know. That, and that's a tough one because I don't think Mike Schilt wants to give anything in the outfield, but Tommy Edmund has shown that he's very capable of playing the outfield. Heck, like I said, the you know what? A couple of series ago, he almost threw somebody out at second base, and I think it was against the Phillies. He almost threw somebody out from the outfield, from the wall. I mean, there's not a lot of there are not a lot of people that can do that very quickly uh, like he can. Um, so unless it's a pure defensive move here, I truly don't know what kind of playing time Dean or Justin Williams uh, will get. And then this begs me to ask the same question that you and I talked about last night was for this topic was if this is the move, then do the Cardinals consider trading for an outfielder at this point? Um, I think, I think in this instance um, you may see them. I don't think an outfielder, I think they're probably going to run with, you know, the, like you said, the, the, the O'Neill Bader and Carlson train, I could see them absolutely trying to trade for a relief pitcher, especially a left-handed relief pitcher. I agree with you. Um, you know, Cabrera has been very good um, at times where he is. Andrew Miller is very questionable, and you don't know what you're going to get out of Tyler Webb. So with that being said, if you were going to cram outfielders on the bench, you're going to have to do something with them, whether you decide to send them down to triple a or, or try to make a trade for a left-handed arm. Um, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't know, but I know that the bullpen needs to get its act together or somebody will be on their way. I mean, right now, honestly, and, and I know there's, it's still early on, but I mean, Jordan Hicks is, is scaring me a little bit too. Yeah. His, his command is not very good right now. I think he's overthrowing. Um, but I could say that about pretty much any hard thrower in the Cardinals bullpen right now. I think they're very overthrowing a lot on their pitches. Um, but again, you know, <laughs> somehow they still have managed to, to keep the ship afloat. Uh, what they're, what, 14 and uh, 12 moving into this weekend. And again, 
I think it's, it's one of those things where um, you get these early jitters out of the way, get this, mm-hmm. get this rust off of your arm um, and, you know, be ready to go by May. And one thing that I thought about today, you know, considering the kind of play that we've got from our shortstop recently, um, if they're not going to do something in the outfield and they want to boost this lineup, then that's the next place that I'm looking. Uh, I I think you and I are both in agreement here that Paul DeYoung has regressed so poorly uh, considering from when, where he started and came when he came up that he's regressed so poorly to the point where you're just not sure what he even can give you outside of a defensive replacement and maybe being a bench bat. I mean, his money, his money and his control is not that much. So, you know, you got maybe the question instead of the outfield is do the Cardinals pull the trigger on a trade to bring in a shortstop that can hit and play? Well, I will say that, you know, I look at, I look at DeYoung and Bader in the same way. Yeah. In, in the way of, you know, they came out running and gunning until, you know, the league figured them out and then they have just regressed. Um, you know, there was a there was a play, I think in game one, a very lazy attempt at a ball up the middle by DeYoung, where he just it was, it was game two with was it game Carlos two? Martinez. Yeah, because Carlos Martinez is on the mound. So the defense was always gonna be in question. <laughs> yeah, always. And it was just it was just like, dude, get dirty. I mean, yeah. you, you gotta stop things. But I mean, that's what I'm saying is I feel like the league is just figured these guys out. They know how to throw to them now and they're and they don't want to adjust. I mean, granted you know, Bader could come out tomorrow and, you know, go three for four with, you know, two home runs and, and shut me up. But the way everything's looking, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I, where I think it's obviously way too early to consider any trades. You know, it's just, it's still April. Tomorrow's still April too. Right. Um, but realistically looking down the road, the Cardinals do have a choice to make here. Do they bolster the offense and stick with the pitching that they have? And what I mean by pitching, I mean starting pitching. Relief pitching, they will have to address. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Or do you address the pitching and stick with the offense that you have and say, hey, you know, we can still win games if we play solid defense and, you know, have this timely hitting whenever we need to. Um, and that's a tough question to, to answer, obviously, right now, because you're getting great pitching. But could you be better? Yeah, and I think it, I think it comes down to, well, I, I really think, like, the front office is holding out long as possible for DeYoung. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't know if maybe two, three months down the road, if, if you see the likes of Matthew Libertor called up or Zach Thompson called up, both lefties. Um, and a bullpen role. I don't know if that happens or not with them missing their minor league season last year, but I mean, they're an option as well, but. I mean, it would be no different than Adam Wainwright coming up in 2006 and being the closer for the Cardinals. Libertor could easily play that kind of a role. Well, I don't think you're going to get Alex Reyes moved out. I no, think no, no. What I, what I mean is, oh. is into the bullpen. Yeah. Okay. I got you yeah. now. I got you now. Okay. I mean, if, if Cabrera can't do it, and Libertor is able to, you take your shot, man. 
you don't have anything to lose here. And plus, I'm sure the, the front office is wanting to see some dividends paid off from that Randy Arosa Reina trade. So you, oh, yeah. you've, got, you've got to show something soon. Um, it may not even be this year, but he's got to show something soon. So if the Cardinals find themselves in a position where the cost of, you know, acquiring a left-handed solid left-handed uh, reliever is too high, they will turn to somebody within the organization. And I, I just think when you, when you say, you know, that they're holding out on DeYoung as long as they can. I agree, but that's their own doing too. That's, that's what happens when you, you get enamored by a, by somebody starting off super hot in the league mm-hmm. and sign him to a, a quick extension to buy out all his years. Mm-hmm. That that's what happens. Um, it's no different than Brett Cecil, right? He had a really good year. And then all of a sudden plop, you give him a, a four year, $32 million deal. And look where that landed you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, we'll, we'll close us out with, you know, the car, the Cardinals split the season or season, the series with the Phillies. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, I guess in this instance, all we could ask for because it could have easily been gone one and three, you know, oh, yeah. and they end up capitalizing. And um, I mean, could you imagine had they lost five of these games? That, like remember what I said, Mike Schilt being on the hot seat, that, that seat would have been very, very hot. Yeah. So moving ahead, tomorrow night starts the first series of the season, three games set with the Pittsburgh Pirates in Pittsburgh. Um, game one, we've got John Gant versus JT Brubaker. Both have low ERAs, um, pretty close in strikeouts too, 18 and 23. Uh, game two, we're looking at um, – Jack Flaherty versus Trevor Cahill. Flaherty is winning in the category of everything. Um, as he should. As, well, as he should. And then game three, we've got, uh, you'll never guess, to be determined versus to be determined. Um, could be an interesting matchup against the determined family. Um, well, because that's Wayno's spot in the rotation. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Correct. So... How are you? How are you feeling moving into uh, the series of the Pirates, and what are your keys to winning the series with the Pirates? Well, so the Pirates are coming off a, a series split against the Royals, the um, quote unquote best record in the AL Royals, um, and Matheny Magic happening over there. Um, but you know, prior to that, they had beat the Tigers, which is not a great feat, but you, you know, you respect it. They won, they won a series against the uh, Minnesota twins who have a lot of pop in their lineup and some decent pitching. Um, and they've also played and they also beat the Brewers in a series um, and, and the Padres. So it's not like this pirates, you know, if anything, this pirates team has been very surprising in, in early play. Um, so I, I really hope that the Cardinals do not, take this series for granted and come out hard and, and play hard. Um, because if you are able to put some distance in between your, yourself and the pirates now, um, considering that the brewers have kind of slipped a little bit, they just lost Corbin Burns to COVID IL as well. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for the Cardinals to, to, to push themselves forward in the division standings. Um, 
and I think if you're re- being realistic here, I think you we both say, would say the Cardinals are the clear um, favorites here, um, that they have the best, a better lineup um, and better pitching. Um, but again, I'm just going to continue to harp on the offense uh, until they are a little bit more consistent. Um, but I'll say 1A is the offense and 1B is the bullpen. Um, the bullpen has now emerged as the biggest question mark for this team. And um, in order to win games, you have to be rock solid on the back end. Yeah. And I think, I think we're going to have to tighten that up a little bit. Um, you know, we can't be going into games late with a question mark over our head. I think that honestly, I think Alex Reyes is moving very nicely into the role of closer. I mean, once he, like we talked about before, once he gets settled in and, and notices the different role that he's got, you know, I think, um, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good because he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of pitches to work with. You know, he's got heat, he's got movement. Um, he's got that firepower. I mean, he, he can be a great back into the back into the uh, game guy, you know, and just come out throwing darts. Um but yeah, I think like you said, it's it for me. It's going to be the same thing. You know, we're going to have to score runs. I mean, like you do whenever you win games, and that bullpen's going to have to be a lock. You know, I I, I think that I can almost. I don't want to say it too soon, but I I almost can feel like I can remove the 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 starting rotation away from a worry at this point in time. I mean, these guys are going out and and at most giving up two runs. It's just you know the offense isn't coming together, and I think Goldschmidt is is starting to to see himself better. And uh, you know we saw the flashes a little bit in the series with the Phillies for him to um, start making some moves again. But you know what's cool somewhat is that you know there's other spots in the order that are picking up slack whenever they need to um i think i saw um something the other day that you know arenado is hitting like 210 or something in his past you know 30 plate appearances or whatnot mm-hmm. and um you know goldschmidt hasn't really done much this season yet either but i it, as it warms up everything's gonna fall right into place and uh I think everything's looking good, honestly, but we just got to score runs and pray the the bullpen gets things done, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I, I think if there's a player to watch this weekend, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be Harrison Bader. I really am. I really think his play um, will help dictate how the Cardinals uh, play this lineup. Because look, you know, for all that we bash on him for his hitting, he plays great defense, and there's no denying that. Um, when you have a center fielder that can move like he does um, and have a pretty decent arm, um, your outfield right now is probably the best defensively as it's going to get. It's just can the def- can the offense match that defense? And that is that is so true for Harrison Bader and really Tyler O'Neill. But it's so true for Harrison Bader. And, you know, honestly, I really hope he does well this weekend so he can build that confidence. And I hope his forearm injury is behind him um, because, you know, that does affect the I, – I think it was his right uh, forearm that was bothering him. Um, you know, that affects the way you, you play defense too. So uh, hopefully he's healthy and, and he's ready to play because we really could use uh, a little bit of a shot in the arm 
in terms of uh, help on the lower end of the lineup and being more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll be a nice, um, a nice piece to add in to the outfield to, to shore up some of the miscues that we're seeing. Um, but one thing I do want to touch on before we close shop here um, within the next week, starting May 4th, um, we got the Springfield Cardinals starting their season Tuesday, May 4th. And um, the Memphis Redbirds starting their season on Tuesday, May 4th as well. Springfield's going to be taking on the uh, the Wichita. Um, <laughs> preparation is everything, isn't it? it, it the, <laughs> the Wichita somethings. Um, Wichita shockers. No, that's the damn college. Uh, oh. It's a Wichita something windmills or something. Um, Shocker sounds better. No, you're you're right. <laughs> The Wichita wind surge is going to be in Springfield on Tuesday for a 635 start time for the first game in Springfield in over a year. And then uh, in Memphis, they are going to be playing the Durham Bulls in Memphis, it looks like, 645 start time. But, you know, hats off to all those guys for finally getting back in the game. Man, they missed an entire season last year. And, you know, I bet they are just completely excited and ecstatic to get back on the diamond and play some real competition. Yeah, I agree. But um, I'm looking forward to it too. We're splitting the uh, the minor league pass and uh, looking forward to. Well, I actually, you know what? I, I did that so you could just you could casually catch me on the games in oh. Springfield. That's really oh. why I'm, we're doing this. It wasn't the play on the field, You're not so, lucky. so I could just ask you if you saw me. No, then I'll just say no every time. <laughs> okay, Tito, you got anything to close with before we close this thing down? Yeah, um, I got three things. Uh, one, um, if it wasn't for the St. Louis Cardinals and my love for them, I would absolutely be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan because of the uh, late and great uh, Roberto Clemente from Puerto Rico. Um, so Pittsburgh has a near and dear place in my heart. Um, if you've ever been to PNC Park, you'll know that it's such a beautiful park. Um, and seeing the Roberto Clemente Bridge in the background, much like the arches in the background for Bush Stadium, is is very cool. Um, the next thing I will say is I hope um, the that uh, Wayno and, and Andrew Miller get back healthy, um, and hopefully COVID stays away from this team uh, because we saw what it could do what it can do to a team um, and affect how they play and how they come back from, um, from these kinds of things. And we certainly hope that everybody stays um, safe. Um, And then the last thing I'll say is, is uh, go, uh, go Cardinals and uh, shout out Emo's pizza. Awesome. Thank you for that final three, three piece take there, Tito. I'm closing, I'm closing up with, Hell of a job, you know, with what Andrew Kisner's done behind the dish, uh, replacing Yachty or Molina while he's out. Um, other than that, you know, we just got to keep trucking. And um, yeah. that's all we've got for tonight. Guys, we'll see. We'll be back with you after the Pirates series. And as always, go Cardinals. <laughs>